0: Listening to the Informal Bible study, the casual and applicational look at the Scriptures. I'm John Stonge, and it's great to have you with us today. In just a few moments, we're going to be looking at First Peter chapter three, verses eight to twelve, and we're going to be asking the question: what does spiritual maturity really look like? But before we take a look at that, just a couple quick things I wanted to share with you. I don't know if you follow our blog at desirejesus.com, but if you do, you'll see the content of all our recent podcasts in transcript form right there. And I mention that to you because one of the things that I make a point to do when that content is posted is I share it on social media. And I'd encourage you to do the same, because my hope is that the Lord would use it to bring encouragement to people and help people in their walk with Christ. I also want to point out to you on the website that there's an opportunity to be on my email list, and what I do with the email list is I send out different things related to if I'm doing any book promos or anything like that or giving away anything free, or if I post any new content, I'm sure to send out an email as well. Usually there's about one email a week. Rarely is there more than that, and if you ever decide you don't want to receive that, it's very easy to unsubscribe. There's just one of those those one-click unsubscribe links at the bottom of each message that I send, because I definitely don't want the messages that I send out to be considered spam. So it's very easy to unsubscribe if you don't want to receive them anymore. But I do want to point that out to you because if you go to desirejesus.com, you can get on my email list by clicking the newsletter tab, and then whenever I'm sending out anything new, you'll be the first to receive it. Now, as I mentioned just a few moments ago, today we're talking about this idea of spiritual maturity, and we're asking the question, what does spiritual maturity really look like? And when you look at First Peter chapter 3, starting with verse 8, we're just looking down to verse 12 today, but in this section we're given a wonderful and very practical glimpse of what it looks like to be a spiritually mature person, to be a follower of Christ who values our maturity in faith. So if you would, take your Bibles and open up to 1 Peter chapter 3, starting with verse 8. Again, if you're driving, please do not bother opening up to the chapter. I'll just read it for us today. So this is what it says in 1 Peter chapter 3, starting with verse 8. Finally, all of you, have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and His ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for the privilege of being able to look through this portion of Scripture today and think about its content. And we pray, Lord, that you'd speak to our hearts and that you would speak to our minds now by the power of your Holy Spirit so that we would understand these things that we're studying together today. We pray this all in Jesus' name, amen. We have been designed by God to grow mature. Just a quick glance around creation illustrates that. We see that in God's design for humanity. We see that in His design for plant life. We see that in His design for animals. In the natural realm, the Lord has designed us to progress from infancy to maturity. Now, in the spiritual sense, this is also true. When we first come to Christ, we operate like infants. Everything is new to us. We begin the process of learning the Scriptures, we practice the process of walking by faith in Christ, we are strengthened by Him in the midst of trials and adversity, and by His grace we have the privilege to grow spiritually mature. One of the shocking realities that occurred to me when I was a new believer was the fact that many professing Christians don't place a high value on their spiritual maturity. It isn't one of their major priorities, nor is it a priority that they attempt to model for their children, and as a result, it feels like something is missing. Young believers aren't benefiting from the example of older believers, and older believers aren't experiencing the joy of helping younger believers learn how to walk with Christ. Thankfully, God's Word gives us a picture of what spiritual maturity really looks like. Whether you feel like you've been blessed with great examples in your life to copy or not, we can all look to this scripture, to this section of 1 Peter chapter 3, to find the picture and the pattern that we're being invited to adopt as our own. And one of the things that is explained to us here in this passage is that the Lord has called us to live as family, not as adversaries. Let me reread verse 8. It says this, Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. This past week, my family was blessed with the opportunity to take a long weekend together. We took some time off, and we actually drove. So I live here in Pennsylvania, and we drove to New England. So it was about five hours away uh, where we drove to enjoy the autumn weather and to tour some of the historical sites in Boston and Concord and several other places. And all six of us shared a small hotel room together, which I will admit can be a challenge and a blessing at the same time, because what it did was it forced us to get along, to make each other laugh, forced us to (laughs) compromise our schedules, And it forced us to spend a lot of time together, and the truth is, we loved it. Getting along with other people can be a real challenge, though, and this is even true among fellow Christians, because we all have different personalities, and we all have different preferences. We come from different backgrounds, and we've had different experiences that have influenced our approach to life. But for all our differences, we also have much in common, because we share a common Savior, Jesus Christ. We share a common hope. We share a common future. We're going to be spending a lot of time together, so we might as well learn to get along now. It can be challenging to get along, however, when you're under stress. That was something the people Peter was originally writing this letter to Would have certainly understood. That's something they would have grasped. Many of them were in the midst of great suffering for their faith. Because of their desire to follow Christ, they were experiencing discomfort and persecution in in the midst of their culture. And when difficulties persist for a long period of time, stress can become rampant. And even Christian brothers and sisters might be tempted to begin living like adversaries. But living like adversaries with your Christian family is not a picture of maturity. It's actually a picture of selfishness. Christ's calling on our lives is that we would be united under the banner of truth of his gospel, that we would be sympathetic toward each other, loving, tender, and humble. This is how Christ has called us to relate. This is the kind of family he's been actively building. And this is a visible sign that you're progressing From infancy to maturity. Now, something else this passage brings out as we seek to grow mature in our spiritual walk is that we're called to bless others like Jesus has blessed us. Look at what it says in verse 9. It says, Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless. For to this you were called, that you may obtain a blessing. One of the hardest things to do in this world is to show kindness toward those who are hurtful toward you. I still remember when I was a kid observing my grandmother while she interacted with someone that I had witnessed behaving in a hurtful way toward her family, toward our entire family, in fact. She showed that woman loved. I remember watching her hugging her. I remember watching her invite her into her home. And I also noticed that she didn't speak poorly of her when this woman wasn't around. And I noticed it. And I have to say that at that time, that made a huge impact on me because I was still used to playground justice. You know what I mean by that? Playground justice where scores were settled on the school playground. Frustrations were vented with fists during school recess when I was a child. But that's not how I watched my grandmother respond to someone who had actively hurt her. She blessed when she could have retaliated. Now, consider for just a moment how Jesus has chosen to bless us. Scripture tells us that we were not looking for him, so he came looking for us. We were content to go our own way and wallow in our sin, but he showed us a new way. We lived in opposition toward him, yet he showed us kindness. We deserved judgment because of our sin, yet he who had no sin took our condemnation upon himself at the cross. Now he's present with us and within us. Now he's strengthening us and leading us. Now he's preparing future blessings for us, and we don't deserve any of it. People have offended me and do offend me. Yet, if I set my heart toward getting back at them, All I'm really doing is forgetting the ways in which Jesus has chosen to bless me. When I revert back to playground justice, I forget the model of maturity that Christ showed me through my grandmother's example. It isn't my job to retaliate against those who intentionally hurt me. Rather, it's my privilege to bless others just as I have been blessed. Interestingly, when we look at this scripture, it tells us that when we bless others, even after they've heard us, we are fulfilling Christ's calling on our lives, and we will experience a God-ordained blessing. In other words, he will intentionally bless us as we model the truth of his gospel by blessing others. I think part of the way he will bless us is by giving us a sense of peace in knowing that we've done what was right. Our conscience won't disturb us. Our our hearts won't be consumed with rage. During this past year, one of the lessons the Lord has been impressing upon my heart is the sense of peace I can experience when I take time to pray, particularly for those who have hurt or offended me. I honestly think some of the people in my life who have caused me the most pain might be surprised just how frequently I've started to pray for the Lord to guide and direct and bless them. That's something that's become a regular facet of my life. That's something that the Lord's been impressing upon my heart. And this is something that Peter was encouraging the church to practice. This is what Christ is trying to teach us as well. But it's not an easy lesson to learn. Yet at the same time, this is what Christ is communicating us. Something else that is a facet of spiritual maturity and what it looks like to grow spiritually mature is also referenced when we look at verses 10 and 11, where it teaches us not to adopt this world's priorities as our own. Let me reread those verses. It says this, for whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. Earlier this year, I took some time to read through the book of Psalms. I was reading it each day as I recorded it for the chapter a day audio Bible. And by the way, if you're not familiar with that podcast, I'd encourage you to take a look at it. It's something that I hope will encourage you in your faith, but it forced me to read through the book of Psalms. And when you read through the book of Psalms, it's such an emotionally beautiful book of the Scriptures. That's really something that that gets impressed upon your mind. Just the other day when we were in New England, I saw a copy on display in Concord, Massachusetts that indicated that during the time of the American Revolution, many area families had a copy of the Psalms in their home. And I think the copy that was on display was rather old. Chaplains would read Psalms to comfort ailing troops. Families would read Psalms to bolster their hope. And when you look at the New Testament scriptures, the Psalms are quoted from regularly, including in this particular passage, because Peter was quoting from Psalm 34 in these statements that he makes here. And originally, these words were penned by David as the Holy Spirit gave him the words to say. In this passage, we're reminded not to adopt the world's priorities as our own, as Peter is quoting from this psalm. So this world speaks frequently of peace, but usually it practices warfare, right? This world speaks of honesty, but yet it practices deceit. This world speaks of doing good, yet it often condones evil. And the dilemma every Christian that wants to grow mature in their faith is going to experience is whether or not to adopt the world's ways as their own. If this world's priorities become my priorities, my mind will consume itself with temporary things and false saviors. My greatest hopes will be in the efforts of other men, and my greatest ambitions will be focused on short-term gains. But when Christ's priorities become our priorities, we'll start to see life from his long-term perspective. We'll value his righteousness and will comprehend that he is the solution for the dilemmas that perplex humanity. These are things that Peter was encouraging the early church to recognize, and these are things that the Scriptures here are reminding us of as well. And there's one other thing that's brought out in the portion of Scripture that we're looking at today, and it's something from verse 12 that I want to read for us. But basically what it's telling us is, never forget that the Lord sees and hears you. Now, this is a reminder we're given multiple places throughout the Scriptures, but again, we see it here, and it's telling us, never forget that the Lord sees you and He hears you. The way it says it in verse 12 is like this, For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and His ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. So again, in this passage, Peter continues to quote from Psalm 34, and he's trying to remind us of important truth and encourage us in the midst of whatever struggles we may be presently facing. So no matter what might be burdening your heart during this season of your life, please remember that the Lord sees and He hears His children. If He's allowing you to go through a difficult stretch, He will use it to strengthen your faith, to increase your reliance on Him and to develop your maturity. He hasn't forgotten you. He sees you, and he hears you. Do you believe God hears you? Do you believe that God actually sees you? You know who really seems to believe? Often it's children who seem to display the deepest faith. And I think their faith is an example that we should notice because Christ reminds us we can learn something from the faith of a child. It's often amusing and refreshing to see just how comfortable kids are with unloading their concerns and the things that are weighing down their hearts to the Lord. And in fact, I happened to see something the other day that really cracked me up. I, I'm assuming this was submitted by various parents as uh, their children said some interesting things in their prayers, and their parents wrote it down. But I read this in an article that I thought was really cute. Here are some of the things that children have uh, been recorded as praying to the Lord. Uh, one one child, a child, a seven-year-old named Debbie said, Dear God, please send a new baby for mommy. The new baby you sent last week cries too much. Jimmy, who is six, said, Dear God, who did you make smarter, boys or girls? My sister and I want to know. (laughs) Angela, who is eight, said, Dear God, this is my prayer. Could you please give my brother some brains? Because so far, he doesn't have any. Hank, who is seven, said, Thank you for the nice day today. You even fooled the TV weatherman. (laughs) Uh, Lois, who is nine, so a little bit older, she says, please help me in school. I need help in spelling, adding, history, geography, and writing. I don't need help in anything else. (laughs) What else is there? Uh, Natalie, who is seven, says, do you have any helpers in heaven? I would like to be one of your helpers in heaven when I have summer vacation. Uh, That sounds great, Natalie. (laughs) Uh, Let's see. Susan, who is nine, says, Tomorrow is my birthday. Could you please put a rainbow in the sky? Uh, David, who is seven, says, Dear God, I need a raise in my allowance. Could you have one of your angels tell my father? Thanks. (laughs) Uh, Let's see. One more. Diane, who is eight, says, I am saying my prayers for me and my brother Billy because Billy is six months old. And he can't do anything but sleep and wet his diapers. (laughs) Oh, It's fun to read that stuff. But anyway, Christ invites us to rely on him. Christ invites us to come before him in prayer, and he fosters spiritual maturity within us. The Holy Spirit lives within all who trust in Christ. And He helps us to live His family. He helps us to bless others. He helps us to avoid adopting worldly priorities. And He also assures us that our Heavenly Father hears us and sees us. The season we may be enduring right now is probably not an easy one. But our Lord has not abandoned us. This scripture reminds us that His eyes and His ears are attentive to the needs of His children and he's trying to foster spiritual maturity within us. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word, and thank you for the reminders that we see in this passage of what you're doing in us and around us and through us. Lord, we know that when we come to faith in your son, Jesus Christ, that you're seeking to start us off as infants in the faith who progress toward spiritual maturity. And you give us the pattern and path toward that in this particular portion of Scripture. You show us what it looks like to be spiritually mature. So, Lord, we pray that we'd rely on you to facilitate this kind of development within us and that we would glorify the name of your son, Jesus Christ, and how we choose to go about our lives. Lord, we love you. We're grateful for your presence with us, and we're grateful for the strength and wisdom that you supply as we believe in you. We thank you for all of these things, and we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you again for listening to this episode of the Informal Bible Study. As I mentioned at the start of this episode, be sure to visit our website, desirejesus.com. If you're not on our email list, sign up via the newsletter tab, and we'll be sure to send you the different things that we send out each week that we hope will help you grow in your walk with Christ. We also want to invite you to check out our sister podcast, the Chapter a Day Audio Bible. Again, you can find links to that at DesireJesus.com. We also have a whole bunch of other resources there. We have our blog there and lots of other content. So definitely check it out. And don't be afraid to drop us a line. We love to receive emails from various listeners of our podcast. So let us know you're out there sometime. Let us know if there's a way we could be praying for you. Or just send us an email to say hi, because it would be great to hear from you. But that's it for us today. Thanks again for listening. We hope you have a wonderful day and a wonderful week. And we look forward to catching up with you again next Monday right here. Take care.